0: The heart and shoes him and me be for real, baby. It's a no brainer. You got your mind, lose. Go hard and watch a sign. What a night. Now. Heinz Field, Penn State improving to two zero with a thrashing of Pitt, fifty one to six. Thrashing may not be a strong enough word for probably the second half of that game. Uh, you mentioned it before the half. What a bizarre game! I mean, this is a, this is a game that a minute left in the second quarter was seven to six Penn State. All of a sudden, there's a bit of a turnaround, and Penn State just runs away with it. Nevertheless, uh, great win for the Nittany Lions on the road, non conference, etc. But I mean, that was just a uh, just complete
1: craziness
0: for a while there.
1: Yeah, speaking with you and Mark Brennan and other colleagues in the press box at halftime. You know, I kept saying, I felt like it was a 17-7 pit, pit lead. I thought I felt like a game where the Panthers should have been in control a little bit because they really did control the game a lot. Instead, it was 14-6 to Penn State. don't think any of us saw the onslaught that was coming in the second half, but it uh, felt like Penn State was in a fortunate position to be ahead at halftime. felt like that was going to carry them a little bit, but had no idea what laid
0: ahead. He's Tyler Donahue. I'm Sean Fitz. This is the Lions twenty four seven podcast. Thank you for joining us for our post game wrap. Um, Yeah, as you said, just kind of all over the place. I mean, this was this was one where you know you saw the talent gap that we talked about last week that was very evident not sure what to expect after penn state's uh, narrow win over appalachian state who thrashed charlotte yesterday by the way um and then uh pitt with their big win over albany didn't show a ton as we said uh last week on the podcast but yeah i mean this is a team there this this was a game where the talent gap was just uh inevitably going to be taken over penn state and they they sort of ran that into the ground Pitt scored 33
1: points in the first half against Albany in the sixth quarter. Since then, they have scored six points. Penn state scored 10 points in the first half against app state. And since then they've scored 86
0: points. So, two teams clearly trending in different
1: directions coming out of this matchup
0: yeah absolutely the talent gap was evident the coaching animosity was evident as well we're going to get to that in a little bit uh it's worth acknowledging the weather i mean I, I, it was not good last night or all day in pittsburgh yesterday actually and really impacted both teams passing games um and and sort of to a lesser extent the running game um but yeah i mean it was it was crappy so hats off to whoever sat through that outside because that was just i mean it 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 wasn't the hardest, uh, you know, downpour or anything like that, but it was constant enough to make it an issue throughout the game. It was, and it was slick out there, and we saw that, uh, you know, balls being bobbled.
1: Particularly, Pitt had issues there, but there were drops for Penn State. How much do you attribute some of the passing game issues to that? Probably some, maybe a lot. Uh, but yeah, kudos to the fans. You looked pretty wet out there from the nice dry press box.
0: Yeah, it was quite dry out <laughs> there. Um, game balls, uh, you could throw a few around uh, here offense. I'm going to go with K.J. Hamler. He was the spark. I know uh, Miles Sanders is, is the other guy that I would go to and Miles Sanders probably if he didn't have the, the big run called back by the, the, the block in the back penalty or the Jawan Johnson pick, which you know, got a couple messages on Twitter that, that you know, what, what was going on there. I mean, it was, it was quite obviously he impeded the uh, progress of the defender on purpose, so good call there. The Polk one, eh, you know, it's a little touch and go, but I, I can see the angle that he threw the flag from where he would get that call um but so miles sanders really good game but kj hamler was a spark you wrote about it uh on lines 24 7 uh he had the jet sweep touchdown he had the the big the the big catch before halftime for a touchdown um you know i just this kid is something, man. I mean, his kick return where he—I think he jumped on the shoulder pads of a pit player. I mean, he just he, he's got something to him where you can get him the ball. And I think Penn State went away from him in the first half a little bit, um, where they had that lull. But KJ Hamler, man, something special.
1: And the, and he's a guy that that was so hyped up during the offseason that you wondered if he could possibly live up to it. Quite frankly, through two two games, I think he's exceeded and surpassed that expectation because you thought he would come along. He's got three touchdowns in the last five quarters. He was a huge, I mean, MVP-like performance in the fourth quarter against App State. So it's hard to argue, but for the sake of bringing up a little bit more spotlight on Miles Sanders, I'll go with him in this game. Um, You know, not a game where he needed to touch the ball 25, 30 games. Certainly, I think he was capable of doing that. Uh, But 118 rushing yards on 16 rush attempts, 7.4 yards per carry. And he's somebody who showed he can contribute in the passing game. Had that 64-yard touchdown on the second play of the second half uh, through the air. Got called back, as you referenced. Uh, But he's somebody, I think, that, that has really found that momentum. Finishing off App State with a with the game winning touchdown, and then I thought from Pitt it was pretty complete performance. The one thing missing from his resume was a touchdown. Uh, but if he's in there a little bit longer, they need to ride him. Certainly could have seen you know 180 200 rushing yards couple
0: touchdowns for him if it was that kind of game. Yeah, I think uh, penalties wiped, what, 90 yards off the books for him or something like that. Yeah, he would have been well over 200. That's a disappointment there. But, yeah, Miles Sanders, I mean, I would not be shocked if he's the coach's player of the week. Um, They rode him when they needed to. Um, And also Trace McSorley. Obviously, not his best game. Passing, fourteen of thirty. Um, you know, he struggled with the rain at times, trying to get to push the ball out to the sideline. But when he was able to, to pull the ball down and run, you saw a different offense from Penn State. He did not do that in the first half. Not sure if they're apprehensive for doing that for, with with Tommy Stevens on the shelf still. But yeah, when Trace McSorley runs, this is a different offense that you have to account for, and it's an offense that that put up forty five, yeah, forty. Sorry, I can't talk uh, 44 unanswered points. So, I mean, it's um – it's, it's certainly different when he's carrying the ball.
1: And I got to give some credit as well uh, to the support system. We talked about people sitting out in the rain. Miles Sanders said he had about 30 family and friends out there watching the entire game, sitting out in the rain. Said it meant a lot to him. The one thing he didn't get to go home with, he got the W. He got, well, at least my MVP nod, uh, did not get his
0: mom's jerk chicken. He said he could have gone for one home cooked meal, but he had to hit the road, get back to state college. Nah, that's a shame. Yeah. Jerk chicken's a good choice, too. <laughs> uh, defensively, I think uh, you can't understate the absence of Kevin Givens last. Last week and his presence this week, man, uh, he he made quite a difference. Now Penn State's defense is still a lot of issues there, as we saw in the first half. But when Gibbons is in there, and you know, no, no disrespect to Fred Hansard or Ellison Jordan or Antonio Shelton or any of those guys, but. Givens is a different ball player I mean he, he changed the dynamic of that defensive line he, he got penetration in the second half I mean he was in the backfield you know quicker than Kenny Pickett at times so um you know Kevin Givens, I think I think he led the team in tackles I don't have the stats in front of me but yeah he was uh he was a difference maker and to to get him back obviously a, a huge huge step forward for that defense yeah Givens
1: tied for the lead in team tackles both solo and total with Micah Parsons uh and, and so with, with Givens, it was not hyperbole Sean when we were Saying it's a big, you know, big guy to take out of the mix for App State because now you see when you plan him in the middle of that defense has a lot more bite to it. Uh, I, I'm with you with the given pick, two tackles for a loss. I do think there's someone worth noting, though. I think Shaka Tony yeah. found his feet, found his groove, and that's huge because we've been saying who beyond that starting lineup, Etor gross Matos, who I think played better in, in his second game as a starter than he did in week one, and then Sharif Miller, who I think we're consistently expecting good things from. Shaka Tony looked like the next man up, and he really had his
0: be- most complete performance I've seen from him. I think he had five tackles and two of them for loss. Yeah, we, we've pegged Shaka as a situational guy, and I still— Think he is that, but when Sharif Miller went out early, he said he got a a helmet to the elbow from a teammate and uh, had to get it rewrapped and and came back and didn't really show any ill effects of that. Um, But when Shaka was asked to play more snaps, which you know as we've seen in the past has limited his effectiveness, um, when he was asked to play more snaps, he came in and did a a good job, got a sack, I believe. um, You know, was was buzzing around there. I thought I thought the defensive ends, you really saw the progress of the Daniel Joseph as well. Yeah, Joseph almost had a pick. um, but, yeah, you really saw the progress of the defensive ends. James Franklin acknowledged it after the game. That's really what changed their entire defensive scheme. That those ends were getting too far up and, and sort of exposing the linebackers, and, and they didn't do that in the second half. And the big reason they didn't do that in the second half is because of a, the special teams player of the game, possibly the game MVP, Blake Gillikin. man, was phenomenal for Penn State.
1: He has been so good the last couple of years, and I think some people still undervalue what a great punter can bring to you because let's face it they're few and far between at the college level there's a lot of inconsistencies on special teams across some of the better teams in power five football, even so to have him pinning pit deep over and over again, especially when it when this game was really in the balance. Thought it was huge. Set up some points for the team. They scored off turnovers. They got a safety. Um, so while Blake Gilligan is incredible with those in the in the box score, trust me when those defensive players, the coaching staff. Definitely know who they're tipping their cap
0: to. Yeah, absolutely. And not special teams player of the week. Uh, all of Pitt, basically. That, oh, they just man. I shot man. themselves in the foot over and over again on special teams. Had the the extra point. I don't know if you'd call that blocked or muffed or whatever. But botched. They, they botched <laughs> the extra point. Uh, missed a field goal. Dropped, just flat out dropped a punt. Muffed a punt. Fair caught a kickoff off a bounce. So they got the ball at the four.
1: Yeah. Uh, it goes on and on. And by the way, you tweeted this. Happy birthday. Happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> Guyana, Phil
0: Guyana who had a rough uh, debut last weekend. It was his birthday yesterday and yes, Pitt provided all of the presents <laughs> for him on the special teams and worth noting I think Raf Cheka had a good game as well um, in those conditions for a true freshman to do what he did, kicking. He pinned them a couple times close to the sideline. Uh, of course, they had the squib kick out of bounds, but he did a good job. Uh, Jake Pinneger missed the field goal, but did a, did a good job of PATs as well. Um, so yeah, Penn State special teams. Oh, and, and we didn't even mention DeAndre Hopkins punt return touchdown, which was a big play in the game. Um, so Penn State special teams, much, much better than last week. Um, you know, you can give some credit to Pitt on that one. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, definitely an improved performance. Going back to, you know, going to cover the game sort of in chronological order, Penn State absolutely gashed in the first half um, with run defense, over 200 yards rushing for, for Pitt. And, I, you know, Penn State just got out, man. We mentioned the defensive ends getting getting up the field and really exposing those linebackers. Um, you know, Pitt, Pitt just got to the second level too easily. Tackling issues still showed up. Um, but when it comes down to it, James Franklin mentioned it probably three or four times in the postgame. Clutch defense. And you don't think about. I mean, when, when you give up 200 yards rushing in a half, you're not going to say you played any clutch defense. But when that results in just six points, um, a turnover inside the ten, uh, on, excuse me, a turnover on downs inside the ten, I mean, it, it was it was clutch defense. They stepped up. They made some plays that you, you know were probably afterthoughts, chasing down guys when they broke loose. James Franklin mentioned Zach McPherson, Zach McPherson yeah. doing that last night. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, clutch defense. I'm not sure that a lot of fans would have accepted that uh, that term in the first half, but they really turned it around, and six points is, is really what matters. It was the ultimate bend-but-don't-break example, I guess, because that I was... I was... trying not to use that phrase. <laughs> yeah, and
1: yeah. it just, it's just, you got to throw that cliche in with this, because it was 200 rushing yards, I think it was about 210 rushing yards in the first half, and you get six points out of it, and it was just remarkable to see that kind of production versus the actual output on the scoreboard, and I think, you know, we're thinking, you know, if Penn State I don't care what Trace McSorley can do, and we know he can bring this team back. My thought is, if you're going to give up 350, maybe 400 rushing yards, I don't like anyone's chances to win the game. I don't care how many points you've allowed in the first half. Penn State bunded up, and it was amazing. All of a sudden, you saw the rushing yard total go down and down, and at some point late in the third quarter, it went under 200. It ended up at at about 245, but the third quarter was disastrous for Pitt. Negative two total yards, and the biggest thing there was they weren't getting those major chunks at a time. It's 13, 15 yards. And, Sean, we talked about how last week the linebackers, the safeties, a lot of first-year starters, new contributors, just seemed to half-step behind on a lot of plays. So early in the game, when the defensive tackle, the defensive front aren't providing at least a little bit of that hesitation for the running back, and he's just getting to the second level so quickly, that augments the situation. And I think we saw a lot of that early
0: solved itself, and, and we'll see if that carries over next week. Pitt's uh, drive chart was fascinating uh, when I went through it this morning. Uh, they went they went 10 plays for a touchdown, they had 9 plays, and Amani Oriwari had a, another pick. Uh, 7 plays missed a field goal, and then 6 plays where they turned it over on downs, obviously a, you know, deep in Penn State territory. That 4th down stop where you're, you're lining up all 11 offensive players in the box against all 11 defensive players in the box, you're basically telling him you're going to run it right at them you did and and you failed i mean it was a it was a pound your chest type call from pitt and it was not good <laughs> i mean it was not uh it was not close uh, i'm not sure you know i i felt the bootleg was coming in that in that situation i think i think the penn state coach coaching staff thought that same thing but yeah they lined it up and that was that was pretty much you know one of the final blows i mean you look at the the um you look at where pit pit stood after that drive and they came out on fire they came out pumped up they came out ready to go and they couldn't get those couple of yards and it sort of changed everything
1: yeah and i mentioned this to you earlier i kind of felt like Pitt was so amped up for this game and 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 we know Penn State was too that's no secret it, it's you know but Pitt went out there publicly and they've got their coach banging the drum and saying this is the this is a special game it's an in-state rivalry oh, you know talking a little smack uh, I think these guys came out so amped up they gave their best shot they could they gave a big blow in the first quarter into the second quarter but it didn't show up on the scoreboard. And I think that moment was super deflating for Penn, for Pitt gave Penn state some confidence and that defense needed some confidence after the fourth quarter last week, the way the first half was going for them. Um, So I think after that took the heart out of Pitt a little bit, but what that play indicated to me was there was not much of a leash for Kenny Pickett last night to just be a playmaker, be a guy who can orchestrate the offense, get things going a little bit on his own. Almost made me wonder like, does the pit staff remember when they had 2nd rank Miami in the turnover chain and unbeaten Hurricanes on on that field just last year? In his first start, he had three total touchdowns. He was a factor as a runner. They just didn't really seem to give him that kind of trust, especially in key moments.
0: Yeah, I, we were asked last week. You know, if if there was a storm to coming through, and you know it was kind of spotty last week, and obviously they just got hammered with rain. Who that would impact more? And you know, you, you, you say it would favor the power running team. The only problem with that is it favors the power running team, but it also completely took away Pitt's passing game. I mean, uh, you know, I said it last week. I like Kenny Pickett. I think he can be a good quarterback, but I I don't think this game was indicative of of his talent level. But, yeah, I mean, his longest completion, 13 yards. um, You wouldn't believe it if I told you he completed six passes in a row, which uh, looking at the the, uh, QB uh, comparison chart this morning, he did. But, yeah, I mean, Pitt, no passing game whatsoever, and – gave you no reason to respect that passing game. Sharif Miller told me after the game, no, they, they didn't fear Pitt passing the ball. I mean, that's not what Pitt does. Pitt wanted to run the ball and that's all they wanted to do and that's that's where they got him. And, and we we'll go back to Gillikin; He got them in the right spots and and sort of allowed Penn State to pin its ears back and go right after that running game and, and turn that into a pass rush as well. Four sacks in the second half for Penn State. We'll get to that a little bit. But this fourth down stop, I mean, is it too early in the season for that to be a turning point moment? I mean, w- w- you look at the frustration of the, the the fan base in the first couple of weeks. Uh, just not clicking on all cylinders, obviously. At that point, clearly not clicking on all cylinders on both sides of the ball. But too early for a turning point? Maybe. I mean, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. I feel
1: like turning points are always best dissected and uh, getting that stamp of approval in retrospect. So I think we got to wait a couple of weeks to yeah. see how, you know, they come out against kent state and kent state's able to pile on 100 rushing yards in the first quarter what did that mean but i know in this particular game it was a total momentum changer felt like it shifted the field uh and by the way i just think it's it's worth noting that uh the guy who carved up penn state last week I, i i just wanted to mention this uh zach thomas four total touchdowns 14 of 14 passing
0: in game number two as a college starter so Turns out the kid might be pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he's, he's decent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Um, but uh, Penn State closing the first half strong. Pitt's special teams gaffs came right back. The punter... Drop the ball. I I'm trying to, still trying to figure out what happened. I saw it live. I haven't really seen the replay. And then Micah Parsons introduced himself. Micah Parsons <laughs> said hello. Jarvis Miller cautiously scooped it up, and <laughs> uh, you know, Penn State scored a couple plays later. KJ Hamler wide open in the end zone. McSorley found him. He caught the ball, which you know was an issue last night for some Penn State receivers. But going into the half, 14 to six just completely changes things in my mind you're getting the ball back uh, to start the second half and and all of a sudden you know you can put some distance between uh, b- between Penn State and Pitt so a uh, huge sequence there we mentioned the drive chart ten plays nine plays seven plays six plays for Pitt after the fourth down stop, you had a three and out with a punt, a one-play drive that was a holding in the end zone for safety, a three and out for a punt, a three and out for a punt, a three and out for a punt, a five-play zero-yard drive that resulted in a punt, a four-play drive for a fumble, a seven-play drive that turned over all in downs, and then Penn State – or excuse me, Pitt ran it uh, – ran into the ground uh, to, to run out the clock. Domination. I mean, that's basically the only thing that you can say. Field position was a, a huge uh, emphasis for Penn State in the second half. Blake Gilligan, uh, I'm not, not going to say his name enough in this in this episode. And then Penn State's defense just be able to sort of just stay in their lanes, play gap control ball, and go after everybody in the backfield. With no fear of a passing game, completely turned that game from a, from a close game to a route. It was just a few minutes
1: after that goal line stand when we saw that you know, I guess it was a pretty much a botch pun. We'll keep using Bosch with Penn State special teams or Pitt special teams. I'm sorry, uh, but with the punt, I, I almost wonder if they're able to get that pun off and, and Penn State starts say on their own twenty. You know, the, on the previous drive, Trace McSorley was sacked on third down. They've had trouble clicking in the passing game. You're going to have uh, you know a, a minute or so, uh, two minutes left in the, that half. How aggressive are they to get down the field in the rain with a one point lead? That they want to give Pitt a chance to get the ball or turn the ball over. I almost wonder if. They're They play conservative there and take it to the locker room at seven to six. Instead, you get handed that gift and take advantage of it, handler scores. And I think that's just a completely different mindset for both teams. Because if you're Pitt, you're saying we did, we, we pounded the ball down their throat, we ran over them, we have 200 rushing yards, and the score's 14 to six. What are we supposed to do now?
0: Yeah, I, I mean that's that's a great question because I mean that's that's demoralizing. I mean it's it's a self-inflicted wound, and Pitt had plenty of those on special teams last night. Um, well, another thing to highlight: two very successful two-minute drills for Penn State in the first two weeks. I think that's going to benefit them um, big time in the long run. Um, you know, obviously Kent State. Illinois coming up, so you're hoping that two-minute drills are not a factor in those games. But uh, you know, to, to pull those out in the clutch, I mean, you've got Trace. We said it last week. You're not sure where this team would be without him. Um, you know, didn't play his finest game, but I mean, he's he's the guy that gets you in position to score 51 points. So um, yeah, just a huge momentum swing there. But you know, just ride that the whole way. A couple things to highlight here. We saw, you know, we mentioned Kevin Gibbons, and obviously he was a, a big-time aspect of that defense, especially in the second half, but guys like Fred Hansard, Ellison Jordan stepping up. Ellison Jordan, I think, was the guy that drew the hold um, in the in the end zone for the safety. So you're starting to see those younger guys who are getting experience. James Franklin talked about in the postgame, Yitor Gross Matos, the guy that they're, you know, they're insanely high on, but he needs more experience. He got a lot of experience. You saw Micah Parsons out there uh, split the team lead in tackles. Jesse Luqueta was out there. Ellis Brooks, I thought, you know, was solid when he was out there as well. So a lot of those younger guys getting in there, um, you know, you can't emphasize enough how much that I think that experience is going to pay off, not just now, but in the next couple of weeks when I think we see, you know, a few more of those freshmen play. And, and, and we see Nick Tarburton out there a little bit more, or maybe some Jason Awe. Um, you know, you mentioned on offense, Jahan Dotson, Justin Shorter was in pads last night. So starting to get some of those guys and their feet wet, you know, 45 point win you'd like to see those guys out there and and you know it's nice to see some good things for them
1: this is the balancing act that this staff faces i mean it's what the story this offseason is can penn state reload rather than rebuild and not take the step back these are the things you have to go through to get to that point where you say hey we were able to reload you got to take some chances with young guys you got to go through the growing pains you got to have moments where you say the light bulb went off a little bit Saw the light bulb go off. I mentioned We mentioned the defensive ends, uh, you know, Joseph, Tony, both those guys in their third year. They're not quite newcomers. But I think with Fred Hansard, towards the end of the game, his body language changed. And I think that's important, especially when you're in the interior – you got to be someone who's co- playing confident. Otherwise, you're going to get beat down, beat down, beat down. And by the time it's the fourth quarter, that offensive lineman is going to own you mentally. I thought Fred Hansard came up with that sack late, uh, you know, put a, had a little shimmy out there. And, yeah. and all the guys kind of did. And, of course, it's easier to do that when you're up by 40 or whatever. Uh, but I thought it was important because everything is a step forward is a good thing because it's very easy to take a step backward as a young player. Another guy to mention, Pittsburgh area native, Lamont Wade, had a couple of nice open field tackles.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think this defense, you know, it showed what they were kind of about. We saw last week and in the first half when they're, you know – sort of being reactive when they're catching blocks, when they're on their heels a little bit, it's not a good defense, not, not, not close to a good defense when they're allowed a little bit more slack when they're, when they're moving forward. I mean, there's just a different group. So, um, you know, that you saw a difference in approach yesterday and, and maybe, you know, the Fred Hansard sack doesn't mean anything when you're up 40 or whatever, but those are big plays for those young guys. and, And, and you saw it in the body language, you saw it on the sideline. I mean, Sharif Miller said after that game, you know, the the, the, after, excuse me, after the fourth down stop, that sideline completely changed. And that, and that can go a long way. Pitt, one for three in the red zone last night, four of 14 on third downs, zero for six on third downs in the second half. Penn State got off the field, and that was the difference. It was unbelievable, just the whole
1: reversal of, of fortunes for Penn State's defense and Pitt's offense in that second half. And, you know, I just it's, it's difficult to take – the eight-quarter sample size plus one series of, of overtime and, and figure out what this team's about because we've seen some Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde moments from the defense. But I think ultimately this is such a mental issue with the defense, and a lot of the th- stuff we have talked about is got to make sure things are tightened up by the time Ohio State comes in for game number five because there's no possible way you survive that game. I don't care what Trace McSorley does, Miles Sanders does, K.J. Hamler does. If they look like they're on skates out there, they have no shot against Ohio State. So
0: I think you're going to get a phone call from James this week. He's just going to say Kent State, Kent State, Kent yeah. State for like two minutes. Yeah. yeah. But
1: getting back to Kent State, um, like we said last week, I- I'm going to be really curious to see. I think it's important to see this defense come out, do their best to put a complete game together. I think a complete first quarter would be good for them, um, and, and and we'll see. But this is certainly something that you don't want to just leave the momentum in Pittsburgh and and move forward. This is you want to sustain that, build off it. And really continue to to enhance the confidence of those young guys.
0: Yeah, you remember that 2016 season with the pounding away at the second-half team. You don't really want to be a second-half team. You want to be a team that has it in hand by the second half. And, you know, hopefully things are not trending in that direction. But if they need to, they've shown that they can score, especially in the fourth quarter. The third quarter, it was a night game, so this game might be a little foggier than most for some of you that are listening. But uh, (laughs) the third quarter, not the dominant third quarter that you might remember. I mean, Penn State had 16 points but only 56 total yards. Got the touchdown from DeAndre Tompkins with the punt return. That was huge. Uh, special teams were going to keep harping on Blake Gillikin. That was huge. But, yeah, I mean, they, they just flat out broke Pitt in the fourth quarter. I mean, 146 yards, 76 on the ground. Still a little bit of sloppiness. A couple of fumbles by Ricky Slade. Um, and a couple of, uh, you know, plays that, you know, could have uh, – could have sprung Penn State for a few more, you know, penalties and things like that that we've already talked about. Um, but yeah, I mean, Will Fries played the whole game at right tackle. I think that's the right decision. Um, you know, I think the offensive line uh, showed some good things, especially in that slop. Um, you know, so I think that moving forward, you got to go with Fries. And I think that you know, fifty-one points sort of reinforces that.
1: Yeah, and then they've been really impressive with Fry's out. I mean, he, obviously, I'm not saying fries is the reason they're scoring points, but he's on the field, they're scoring points, and, and we're not talking about this offensive line much through two weeks except for highlighting some positives, the right tackle position. Really, I think they've come out and really asserted themselves as as a, an ascending position unit on this team, and I would point out Trace McSorley, at four-yard touchdown run in that third quarter, as they noted in the press box, 18 games in his college career where he's run for at least one one touchdown and passed for at least one touchdown. By the way, this was the thirtieth straight game in which he's thrown a touchdown. What a career!
0: Yeah, I mean, just does so much for your offense, especially when he's running the ball. We talked about that earlier. Uh, no carries at halftime, and you know, I think that of, sort of showed up with the guys around him. Um, sort of, it's not like they let him loose or anything in the second half. He's not a great decision maker in the RPO. I mean, for for all the success that he's had, you know, he's he, he made some questionable reads last night, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know what. It, what are you going to say about a fifty-point game? Um, so beyond that, four sacks in the second half for Penn State. Also four fumbles in the game. That's something that they need to address. Trace was very good. Sean Clifford then came in, and some things happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: I mean, Sean Clifford. What a what a perfect debut just tossing a spiral the first time he touches a football in a college game uh, ends up being a great throw a touchdown pass and uh by the way uh mac hippenhammer also in the game first college touch gets him in the end zone kj hamler had a big smile on his face after this game very
0: proud of this group of redshirt freshmen and the way they performed on saturday night yeah i mean and then you go back to it Throwing that ball, I mean, that's that's a statement right there, and and we're gonna talk the the rivalry thing all week and it's just, it's one of those things where it's going to rub some people, including some Penn State fans, going to rub them the wrong way. I, I don't have a problem with it. Miami scored 77 points yesterday. You know, you're on the road against a team that beat you two years ago. You're you're going to try and get your guys work. And and I said it after Ohio State blew out Penn State a couple years ago. I mean, this is a resume builder. This is a non-conference game on the road. Um, this is a, this is something where, you know, you're playing a team with name recognition. And, and if you did this against Appalachian State, it wouldn't probably wouldn't matter as much, but it's Pitt. So It does matter. So um, don't have a problem with them scoring as many points as they can. Coaches, um, what, James Franco makes $6 million, Pat Narduzzi makes $3 million or whatever. You're paid an awful lot of money to stop the other team and to score as many points as you can. You you do it as much as you can, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, we'll get to Narduzzi's thoughts in a few moments, but I I think, you know, when I'm watching it, McSorley's out there. The one thing I'm concerned about is he's getting his neck twisted. Yeah, around. they probably should have pulled him. At one, some point, one I'm, one, I'm right. just thinking, yeah. probably time to put McSorley in some bubble wrap and, <laughs> and save him for next Saturday. Yeah. But I think when you have a young quarterback, this is why college football is different than the NFL. When you have a large lead, you only have so many opportunities to see what you have in some of these younger players. Uh, Tate Martell at Ohio State yesterday, he's throwing touchdowns when the game's out of hand. Yeah, uh, you know, Sean Clifford, you want to see what you've got in the kid. See how he throws the ball in the rain. See how we, you know, it gets get a little pressure in his face. And you know, obviously, uh, you know, it's yeah. going to rub some people the wrong way. But it's different than the NFL. It's different than the high school football.
0: You game. don't want his first snap. You know, a couple years ago, Matt McLuhan got hurt. And Stephen Bench had to come in and get cold against Virginia. And, you know, that's not ideal. So you you don't want somebody coming in in a competitive game and a close game and, and throwing their first pass. So, I mean, I, I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, Penn State went right to it. I mean, you, maybe you run a play or two before them, But... I mean it's just not a problem. Pat Narduzzi uh he may have had a little problem with it. Uh, I was asked about it in the post game. His answer very indicative of uh where he stood on things all week. Did not stray from that uh, that sort of attitude and uh we'll we'll just play the audio here. Hey,
1: you know what? I coach pit football. I don't coach for anybody else. You know, that's that's on them. You know, you got to sleep at night. You know, it's just it's just just where we are right now, and uh, we'll have another shot. We'll have another shot. It ain't
0: over. Okay, so uh, good answer for... The first five words and then just kind – of, he couldn't help himself. I mean it was just one of those things where it, this is the us against the world mentality that he's been beating home for the last couple of years and obviously he was offended by it. I'm, I'm sure anybody would have been offended by it but I'm also sure that he probably would have done the same thing given the, the – if the situation were flipped.
1: It ain't over, Sean. It ain't over. It, uh, I think Franklin probably slept pretty well last night. I think um, he did, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if he was able to sleep. I, I just – when I think uh, – About this whole scenario and is it a rivalry? Isn't it a rivalry? I just think the problem here for Narduzzi is because he put his eggs in the basket here. I mean, he he was all in on making this a game that was going to be a turning point for Penn for Pitt uh, that was going to show Penn State what they were about, maybe get a big recruiting win out of the situation. Now in the aftermath of this, he's got to pick up the pieces. He's looking ahead at four ranked opponents on their schedule. They got to pick themselves up after this. And I just think he sounded like he. I mean, he sounded pretty. Broken last night after the game, and uh, a lot. You know, we read his transcript from, from that press conference, and a lot of it was, I own this, it's on me. But then, then but. Me, but here's a jab or two
0: in this direction. And, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about the refs, but here's what the refs did. And
1: look, <laughs> yeah. social media is so prevalent, you can't say something, uh, you know, out in front of reporters and just anticipate it's not going to get to the other campus. The thing he said about Lamont Wade, just don't say it, yeah, uh, you know, and now. That audio clip that you all just heard, that's going to be something that folks like us bring up next year when this game is approaching again and we're all asking the same questions about, is it a rivalry or not? And here's what Pat Narduzzi said, it ain't over. And by the way, this is the 100th matchup. And by the way, there's no more scheduled. So, yeah, if you thought this week was hyped up, wait till next September.
0: Yeah, and there's animosity there. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, you need rivalry type talk Um, you know so I I mean I I think and it's all on him I mean you you said it I mean if you want to say those kind of things especially about players I mean if you want to say those things about uh, the school or James Franklin or something like that I mean that's fine you know do what you got to do be, be the adults or whatever but to, to say, say stuff like he did about Lamont Wade about Juwan Johnson being a push-off artist or, or or whatever um yeah I mean it's uh you set yourself up for that sort of thing so I mean it happens and I talked to a couple people after the game last night and you know it was it was coming his way I mean if that was going to be the situation it was it was coming his way so um is it style points is it rubbing it in yeah, probably a little bit, but, you know, Penn State's got a, a playoff resume to put together if they're going to, you know, come together and make this run. Still, we're going to get past that. We're going to leave that in the dust. This one is over. Um, of course, Penn State pit next year uh, at Beaver Stadium, um, but but w- this segment is over. We're going to move on. A 45-point win will make you forget a lot of things, but there's still a lot to work on. Uh, linebacker play when they're not attacking, was not good as well. Um, Jan Johnson out of place, Cole Farmer out of place. I thought Cam Brown played okay, especially after his uh, his week one audition. Um, you brought in Parsons, you brought in Brooks, you brought in Jarvis Miller a little bit more, um, gave them a little bit more free reign in the second half. When they're attacking, I mean, they're, they're good, but when you're trying to react, they, they were not. So there, there's still, I think, a lot for Brent Pry to work on. You know, as that defensive line comes together, Shane Simmons still in a boot yesterday. So, you know, that's a guy that you're, you're probably not close to seeing. Maybe when Big Ten plays hits, maybe he'll be there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's still a lot to work on, especially that second level of defense. There's still tackling issues. Um, I, I think there's still a lot to lock up that, that a 45-point win can mask.
1: And I think a question that needs to be answered moving ahead here is, where is John Reed, uh, you know, in his recovery Clearly, you know, Franklin said last yeah. week that he looked like he had been away from football for a year. We didn't see him against Pitt. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm just wondering: is he going to be able to be a factor in September? Is this more of a thing where he's going to have to take a couple steps back to take a step forward later? Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, yes, Cam Brown did not have those obvious moments of, uh oh, well, what, where, where is he on the field and why is he there? Um, Koa Farmer seemed to have a little bit of a reduced role. I mean, he had one total tackle. Micah Parsons productive early on. I thought Micah was chasing after a lot of plays that could have been some of the miscommunication. Yeah. Seems to be um, fine by the way, for everyone asking about uh,
0: his uh, injury. And update. he did tweet yeah. last night that he
1: is okay. Oh, and he's okay. getting ready for okay. Kent state. So, uh, and, and so I think with Micah, you're just going to look game by game and, and take things, and, and look, he, he looks the part. Uh, we're just waiting to see. what it, When everything's together, it might not happen this season, but I think we all know he's going to be a special player. To me, though, the, the biggest thing was I, I thought the defensive front took a step forward yesterday. I thought the linebackers... Did not regress. If anything, they took a few few little baby steps forward. And then I thought Tariq Castro-Fields and and, and Donovan Johnson, yeah. they both showed you, hey, we've got some depth at cornerback. And, and if John Ree needs to sit out, again, Pitt's passing game, one, one completion over 10 yards. I don't know what to make of that entirely but I think it shows you there is some confidence in the depth there in the secondary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the safeties, you know, we, we mentioned some tackling issues, Garrett Taylor still with some tackling issues as well, but the safeties, you know, took a, took a decent step forward last night. I thought I haven't really looked at the tape. Um, you know, I, I know that touch the Pitts touchdown, um, you know, they got sucked in and, and it was mm-hmm. a very nice call The counter against the blitz and the, and the safeties got sucked in. But yeah, I mean, there, the, there's, there's baby steps forward. So that's good. Um, not good from the veteran wideouts. I mean, uh, Juwan Johnson and DeAndre Tompkins, the, the weather, yes, I do believe the weather was a factor. Um, but yeah, you gotta catch some of those balls. Tompkins missed uh, two touchdowns. Johnson missed a, a big play on the sideline that would have been a first down. Um you 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 expect more out of those guys. Of course Johnson had the play that or excuse me, the pick that got the uh, Miles Sanders touchdown called back so you need more out of those guys and and not everybody was immune from jobs K.J. Hamler had one um Trace McSorley obviously wasn't getting the ball out as well as he had hoped but at the end of the day I mean these are the veterans that you're going to turn to to make big plays in big games and and they certainly weren't there on Saturday night
1: yeah I mean Trace McSorley throws 30 passes and and you know Jawan Johnson ends up with two catches for 23 yards uh out of that and and the, the concerning thing here is DeAndre Tompkins, where is his confidence level right now as a receiver? Obviously, Permits owner, he's got that figured out, flashed, flashed that against App State, reached the end zone against Pitt. Bobble, um, bobbled that ball, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, it dropped a couple really tough, uh, really tough drops. And, and, and then on top of that, those are his only two targets on the season. Yeah. I mean, he has no catches yet through two games. And so I think you're looking at those two. We You mentioned this earlier. We had not seen Jahan Dotson, who was a star of, of training camp during his true freshman training camp. And Justin Shorter isn't in, involved yet. Um, but I thought, hey, Matt Heppenhammer, he scored a touchdown. He, he made a move for himself. Brandon Polk, he scored a touchdown. He gained a little bit of, of, of clout. I think there's a lot of targets that are still at stake as, as things get sorted out in the receiver rotation. We're seeing other guys make their case. I still think Jawan Johnson is, is going to put it together and, and be able to put together a season. But I said this last week, as strange as it is, through two college games now – KJ Hamler looks
0: like the clear-cut go-to guy in key situations. Yeah, he just opens up defenses, and we said it in the podcast last week. Pitts safeties were susceptible to things like that. Caught that uh, second touchdown over over the seam. I mean, nobody really around him. But I mean, you saw it on the jet sweep. I mean, just, things just opened up for him. He's a little joystick guy. Um, he's he's really really fun to watch. To be honest with you, so eight targets for for Hamler and Johnson
1: was the only guy who had more than three. He had five. So Hamler very quickly gaining that trust from McSorley, and that's exactly what that fourth quarter drive against App State will do. Trace McSorley's
0: gonna keep going to the well. Yeah, and Justin Shorter we mentioned was dressed last night. We watched him in warm ups and it was not in no not, not, he was not going to play last night. It was same with John Reed. John Reed did warm up, um, didn't do anything really just kind of looked ginger he moved around gingerly. Uh, same with Shorter. Um, you know one one last point here the tight ends. Uh, we, we talked all summer long about you know how we're you worry about the position? Um, those guys stepped up and played a pretty good ball game. I mean, they, they were there to move the chains when you needed to. Um, you have the stats in front of you, so I'll let you run through that. Pat Fryermuth had his first uh, first career catch. Nick Bowers did not dress, by the way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the tight ends, you're getting something out of them, which is, you know, it's a plus for Penn State.
1: Yeah, and, and early on, the first drive, another confidence builder. We've been talking about those all show. But uh, Jonathan Holland was targeted early. He came up with a catch. He showed that he can pick up yards, 22-yard gain. Um Again, I think he is the, the most explosive guy in that group at this point. I think Pat with long-term, uh, could really be special. Uh, we saw him get his first catch, a few targets for him. Dalton, two catches for 17 yards. As a group, we saw them collectively get eight targets on the day. And I think uh, after seeing a guy like Mike Kosicki, who's a human highlight reel, and there's a reason that he was a top 50 NFL draft pick, sometimes you can forget that in college football, it's okay to just have average players. Production from your tight end group, or just to have them be a key part but not a focal point, and so far so good. I mean, this was a position that you worried if it could be a black hole of a situation and no one stepping up. Right, you've got you know a nice little collective thing going on, and I expect Pat Fryermuth will stay claim to more snaps as things go on.
0: Yeah, and they're hoping to add Bowers back into that mix. I'm not sure you know where he's at in terms of rust or anything like that, but you get him back, you've got a fairly Sizable complement of tight ends there. And I think you're going to see, you know, in the next couple of weeks, or especially next week against Kent State, maybe you throw Zach Coons out there, see what you've got. You mentioned Dotson earlier. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of young guys this week. Ricky Slade put the ball on the ground twice. twice. Um, the first play, I mean, helmet right on the football by Quentin Wurgin- Wurginis as uh, a good player. Um, and then the second time, got ripped out as he was going down. So he's got to take care of the football. But yeah, I think you're going to see more of those young guys this week. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the guys that we have not seen I'm not sure if shorter is ready to go yet Um, but you know guys that we've talked about like Jason Alway I thought they may have thrown Trent Gordon out there last night um, you know especially with John Reed out there uh, or excuse me with John Reed out of the game Um, so I think we'll see them this week of course you know you you, you don't take any opponent for granted but you know Penn State should be able to play a lot of players against Kent State in a different way than they did against App State in a different way than they did against Pitt yeah and, and Franklin mentioned at the start
1: of training camp I believe it was that the goal was with this new red rule to get a lot of these players actively involved in two games early and then see what you have maybe stash them for later maybe open things up and have someone become a key member of your rotation as the first year player uh, i think we're gonna you would anticipate this is the game where there's an opportunity to be able to do that in the second half i think a lot of people though including myself mistakenly thought that would be the case against app state so we'll see how things go uh, you know against Kent State but I think there's a great opportunity for this to really be a showcase get a bunch of film on some of these guys evaluate them figure out who you need to say we're going to stash you for next year keep practicing hard and and who you're going to say we're going to throw you to the wolves you need to help us go chase a big 10
0: championship yeah and it's and it's got to be this week um you know as as you know that the last night, Penn State could travel everybody because it was a non-conference game and the rules say you can you can do basically whatever you want. 74 players on the travel squad for Penn State. So I think they'll take a few of those freshmen with them um, to get them acclimated to a, a, a different uh, scenario, a, a road trip, and see what that's all about. But for the most part, you're going to see your, your typical game rotation on those trips because it's a Big Ten trip. Um, where I think this might help, you know, you've know, you got those games at the end of the year. Of course, Rutgers is on the road, so you're going to still do, deal with travel squad issues. But if you get Maryland, um, you know, and and you can get some more guys in the game at the end of the game or excuse me, at the end of the season. Um, So that will help. But uh, yeah, it's got to be this week. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what those guys can do. Yeah, and Dotson for me is the one we've heard so much about all summer, and,
1: and it surprised some of us. And I have not seen him—a little bit of a surprise. And I just think the door is wide open for him if he goes out there and, and 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 translates what he showed during August, does that in a game. I think there's a nice opportunity for him to stake some stake some snaps. I think they're open at at wide receiver. I think they're definitely open uh, at other positions as well. So, but I think him, Justin Shorter, we'll see what they can give him. But uh, but obviously, again. You want to have a lot of these things figured out by the time you get to the final week of September.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of disagree with you about Dotson. I, I think at this point in the season, I think they, you know, if 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 that was the case, he would have played last week, even in a limited role. Um, but still, the, you're right. The opportunity is there. I think a guy that we really haven't talked about, Brandon Polk. I mean, he's stepped up when he's needed to, had the big fourth down catch last week, obviously has a decent rapport um, with Trace. He was the guy that caught the touchdown from Clifford. I think earlier I said it was hip and hammer. Yep. So, um save your tweets on that um but yeah i mean it's uh it, there's certainly opportunity there we mentioned it at the beginning of this segment You've, the veteran wideouts need to to get back on track and we'll see how much the weather had to do with that and all that kind of stuff but yeah you you, you certainly have a, a a lot to clean up and james franklin said as much after the game last night after a 45 point win you can forget about some things but i think there's a lot to clean up in all three facets of the ball and, and we'll see if they can do that we've gone about oh there's a voice crack first of the season i believe for me the <laughs> We've gone about 44 minutes, and I think that's about time to wrap up. Uh, 44 unanswered minutes, I guess you could say. Nice. Uh, how about <laughs> that? Um, but, no, I mean, the uh, great episode here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. I know uh, our fans are, are, are pumped to hear us. Of course, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify now. Check us out. Rate us, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll be back at the end of the week for a Kent State preview. Uh, probably won't be as heavily listened to as this post pit game, um, but uh, it, it ain't over. Kent um, State, Kent State Kent, Kent State, Kent State, Kent State. Yeah, something like that. He's Tyler Donahue. I'm Sean Fitz. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and, and we'll see you later in the week.